0: to the copy blogger podcast thank you so much for joining us uh, i was gonna say as always but ethan you uh you took a quick caveat from the show last week i hope that you don't have uh construction and jackhammers outside your window <laughs> this week we good
1: yeah no this week i've got a wonderful stone wall outside oh yeah the, shit, uh, it is different. yeah you can see it it's good right yeah it is good. yeah nice. upgrading the uh the background for the podcast because things are going well
0: <laughs> and you got a different shirt on
1: yeah, I, I bought a new <laughs> shirt and, and I'm upgrading that my background. So you guys, if you want a, a hint as to how well the show is going.
0: Amazing new shirt. Yeah, great to no. see you, Ethan. <laughs> um, Matt hey, was I? so cool. I loved, oh. I loved talking to him. He was like, has such a good, even keeled vibe. And I loved that he was just some behind the scenes ad advertising assassin that like doesn't care about the glitz and the glam and the Twitter likes and all that. He's just – he mm-hmm. was really smart. I loved it.
1: Yeah, I listened to it. It was awesome. And I thought yeah. you were going to like him a lot. Like, you know, here's the deal, man. I'm curious to get your take on this. But for, for my money, I would actually rather talk to somebody who's like two steps removed from the CEO or the founder sure. of a company. I mean, it used to be cool. And in some cases, it still is cool to talk to founders. But once they hit like a certain level of traction, very often, it's hard for them to describe in detail how they did it at a certain point. Because once yeah, you really start to grow, you know, your job as the founder is not to grow anymore. It's like to find the people who can grow the business. Exactly. Yeah. I think people who like who you've never heard of very often, they they have the keys to the castle so much more so than these big famous founders or CEOs of like major companies. There's a, a thousand yeah. people you've never heard of who know way more about how to grow a big business than they do.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I loved it. He was so smart. Well, great. I'm glad you enjoyed it. So let's rock and roll. Let's get right into this. We got a couple quick shout outs and a reminder. We are sending traffic to the website to copybloggerpod.com. I am still pleasantly surprised at how many people like watching the video. I think it's so cool. I I was nervous with like, our style to share the screen and, and kind of keep it loose and like back and forth. But I think it's a really good experience. I've, I've watched a couple of videos and tried to be objective about it. And so all of the episodes, and the video, and the show notes, and links to the iTunes and link to the Spotify everything you need is on copybloggerpod.com. And we just inserted a brilliant like 25 to 30 page report. Uh, that you can get for free if you go to copybloggerpod.com as well. Uh, so check out the site. There's really great info, everything you need to know there. Up next, I want to thank Randy. Randy left us such a cool review. <laughs> Man, sometimes I feel like when, when we say it, it can sound pretentious because people are going to be like, yeah, well, of, of course you think, of course you're going to say that, right? But I really can't tell you. When we get these reviews, the first thing I do is I screenshot them. And then I text them to Ethan and I just send like endless fire emojis and exclamation points and like, let's fucking go. (laughs) (laughs) So like these reviews really are great. You can follow Randy on Twitter at Randy Wilburn, R-A-N-D-Y-W-I-L-B-U-R-N. Randy says... Tim and Ethan are a great combination and flow nicely together. They bring best practices in content marketing, copywriting, and business development for both online and offline businesses. They each have a unique perspective, which is true, by the way. I think that is cool about our conversations. Once you start listening, you will not want to stop. Be sure to have a notebook with you and take lots of notes. Thank you so much, Randy. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Randy. As a return for the favor... I, well, I shouldn't say return the favor. I, I dug into Randy a little bit, and he's got such a cool business, which fits right into what we were just talking about. So, I'm going to take a couple of minutes and, and walk you through this. Randy's business, and our first case study for the day is IamNorthwestArkansas.com. So, we got a hyper local site. You know how much I love these. And what's cool is Randy does it a little bit differently. So, he sent me. He sent me some notes. The website, like I said, is IamNorthwestArkansas.com. dot com. But his hyperlocal business isn't the same model that I use. He does it all audio. So for the past three years, I've been running a podcast here. This is from Randy, by the way. I "Quote: For the past three years, I've been running a podcast here in Northwest Arkansas called." I am Northwest Arkansas. It focuses on the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in the Ozarks. And I've had some sex, some success with that location based podcast. I also do podcast strategy consulting for a number of firms here in Arkansas, as well as elsewhere in the United States. So basically he created a local media site. He monetizes by inviting local businesses. And this is a model that like I want your take on because I never thought of it this way. His podcast is free and he does a weekly show, just news-related content. And if a business wants to come on the show, they pay him basically to be featured for the airtime. I never thought of it that way. I always thought that you had to go ahead and like get people to want to promote themselves on your show. But he, he totally flipped it. He was like, no, I have the audience. If you want to be in front of them, if you want me to interview you, you got to come pay me. So he's killing it with his podcast that way. Started with his local podcast and now he's got a consulting firm helping with other small businesses in the Ozarks start podcasts. So so you're killing it, Randy. I love it, man.
1: Okay. I got to dig in on a couple of things here. Uh, for people who don't know, the way that we do this show is like Tim and I spend our weeks off doing our own things. I work for HubSpot. He runs his companies. We both got our side projects, and then we meet up here like Friday afternoon, and we're like, "Hey, this is what I want to talk. This this is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to talk about. This is what I want to cover. This is what I want to cover." I mean, like, shoot back and forth like a thousand times, really quick, and then hit record. Which is why half the time we get here, you're hearing us go like, "God damn it! Why didn't we start recording earlier?" Because there's like a very short conversation before this, where and sometimes it's interesting, but for the most part, we have no idea what the other person is walking in with on Friday. Now, what Randy said was like Tim and Ethan both have very different views. Thank you, Randy. By the way, great. The review means a ton. We do read them all. And like, it. yeah, it always makes my day to see that stuff come through. And what I think is so funny is, like, your coverage of this story is a perfect example of what he was talking about. Like, we think alike and different. So, alike in the fact that I had no idea you were going to do this case study. I've actually got Randy's other website pulled up right now. (laughs) So, (laughs) For anybody who doesn't know, he also is the founder of Encourage, Grow, Build, which I won't go <laughs> into detail on because I think the, 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 the angle that you covered is actually like more interesting for what we're going to talk about next. But that's just kind of a funny example to me of like how we are similar enough that we bring the same topic to the table on like a fairly regular basis, but yeah. we've always got different <laughs> takes on it. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's that. But let's talk about the model. I love yeah. this model. I like a lot of things about it. One is that it's something that I feel like people could experiment with yeah. all over the country. Like even it's one of these things where even if you want to explore the same topic as somebody who's doing a podcast on a bigger scale like like let's look at like the my first million guys, right? I think podcasts there's a there's potentially a world in which podcasts share a lot of the same potential as newsletters. And so newsletters is a space right now. I agree. Yeah, where you got a few huge names and then a whole bunch of niche players. And sometimes the niches are topical, but uh, very often what we're seeing now is more people experimenting with geography as the niche, like your local newsletter stuff like that. Yeah. And I think there's a version of that that's that could be potentially done for podcasts too. So I love this because it's something that people could hear and then go run with. And this whole model, if we look at what Randy's really doing, you tell me if I've got this right. It sounds like he's got a content outlet Right, where he's creating content, and then he's monetizing that basically via ads. Right, it's not really ads; it's more like what was the? There was a name for this back in the early two thousands. It was like co sponsored content, where people were writing articles,
0: kind of like what BuzzFeed did, where like you would pay to get published, like you would publish your story on their website. What what the hell was that called? Like a sponsored post, basically.
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's kind of the way he's chosen to monetize this, and then it's and then did I get you right? On the backside, he's actually got an agency that can continue to help with the digital marketing too.
0: Yeah, well, not with the digital marketing, but he helps other small businesses in the area start their own podcast. So, oh, awesome! It, it sounds like he's got a couple of clients uh, on the consulting side of things.
1: Okay, so I love this model, and not just because it works but also because it ties in really neatly with another case study that I was really excited to talk to you about today. So can I pitch this other case study and then we can talk about the the overlaps between the two of them?
0: For sure. You you were hyping me up about this thing, so I'm excited to hear about it.
1: Yeah, okay. So it, we've talked a little bit outside of this. You know the Zet, right? The newsletter? The Zet? Have you no. heard of them? No. Oh, okay. All right. Then this whole thing is going to be completely new. So the Zet is a newsletter. It's like a daily newsletter similar to morning brew or the hustle it's focused specifically on women but they cover a lot of the same topics kind of like lifestyle business how to be successful uh specifically for women right what a
0: smart idea (laughs) like duh (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah
1: get this dude they came across my radar because they just made number 16 well i have actually known about them for a long time but when i started studying they were very small they just made number 16 on the ink Five Thousand they did 40 million dollars in 2021 oh with a team God. of 15 people. So like somewhere somewhere between 12 to 15 people in a list of 500,000 subscribers. So just for people listening to put that in perspective, 40 million dollars on a list of 12 or 15 people and 500,000 subscribers. By the time Morning Brew was doing 20 million dollars they had about 75 people and more than a million. I think it was 1.5 million subscribers on their list. It could have even been, I don't have the numbers in front of me right now, somewhere between one and two million. So Newsette and the founder, her name is Daniela Pearson. She's 27. she um, They are, here. yeah, they're monetizing way over above and beyond pretty much any newsletter that I've ever seen at this size and this scale. So I just wanted to talk, through them a little bit. The reason, and the reason they're able to do it, is because they're actually using the exact same model that Randy is, which is they have the publication which they sell ads in, and then this is the brilliant part. Last year they launched an agency on the back end. It's a TikTok agency called Newland. Newland's now responsible for like more than fifty percent of their revenue. So they did forty million last year, more than twenty million of it? that. Uh, N-E-W-L-E. A and D but weirdly I can't actually find a website for it but the newsletter itself is yeah but that's how you know they're killing it dude okay so here's how it works they have their newsletter which is doing really well and is monetizing like tens of millions of dollars Newland comes along and basically what they've done so far if I'm getting this right from the, I've been reading a bunch of interviews with the founder is Newland now will work with anybody who's in the newsletter so if you advertise in the newsletter what what the news that basically says is like hey come buy an ad with us and then see how well that performs right and of course because they're doing uh, some specific things we'll get into in a little bit it performs really great and so people who are either new to newsletters or maybe even new to digital overall or just used to like other forms of digital advertising that don't have the same kind of traction Mm. They get a taste of this and they're like, this was incredible. And then now, Nuzette says, great, well, if you're interested, we have this whole agency on the backside that can like take over and help with a certain aspect to your marketing. In their case, they're starting with TikTok. But what I love about this is if you look at a media company, um, let's just say something like Morning Brew, which uh, well, Morning Brew might be a little bit more complex because they have different types of products now, but like the hustle back in the day. So back when the hustle was running ads, in order to run ads, you have salespeople you have copywriters who are specifically focused on ad copy and like uh, ad creative you have designers you have account managers you have all the makings of an agency right there and these businesses traditionally they just sell ads in the newsletter but after I'm seeing how crazy high newset has been able to monetize this, I think you're gonna see a lot of media companies. Go this route because it's just a great like back-end service. It's a, it's a way to monetize it even higher with like roughly the same size team. I mean, you the z has now continued to scale quite a bit in terms of the size of their staff. But I think you're going to see a lot of people do this. And then it cuts both ways. So if you run an agency, I think there's a lot of people out there who maybe should start thinking about, ways to monetize using the traditional media model because you already have a lot of the team in place to yeah. do it if you can build an audience. So to answer your question about Randy, I love it. I see it and I've seen it at scale too. And so what he's doing is really sharp. What's your first thought when I lay out that whole like news thing?
0: My brain is racing. I, I need, I have so many directions I could go with this. Let me stick with Randy for a second. That makes a lot of sense. That he uses his media to promote his services. And like we've talked about that a lot. I just want to reiterate the fact because it's so fundamental and it's so simple. And it's one of those things where I don't care how many times people get sick of hearing me say it. I'm going to say it forever. Like you don't need a ton of clients. You know, Mm -hmm. he charges $1,500 for an interview and he's booked out you know, so it's it's six grand a month on the podcast itself. And then who knows how much he's making, right? Like, it's, it's a great living. And I've I've talked to Randy, he's a super laid back, chill guy, he don't need to be on a yacht, like he loves kicking it with his family. And recording his podcast, it's like the best life, right? This dude is just living, he's living his he's living his best life. And so I hear that. And like we talked about the other day, like where there's opportunity everywhere. You know, I think that's just another example about how great it is. All right. So, so you're the man, Randy. Let's move on to the news that I love like so many things about this. I love this brand. I love the logo with the little like the kind of superhero emblem on the, the coffee cup. And even the coffee cup has like that little pink thing on it, which looks like a tiny shade of lipstick, which I think is dope. I, I when you were talking, I thought of two things again that Matt mentioned. Actually, you know, let me stick to one because the one thing that he talked about in our conversation I thought was so profound and it was so obvious after he heard it. And the line was, you can start a newsletter in any industry as long as the people in that industry actually buy things. And it sounds so like duh, right? But. It really got me thinking, like, what a great filter. Your audience doesn't have to be big. It's just, does your audience actually buy shit, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why. Okay, so there's a guy that I follow on YouTube, and he's got a newsletter, and it's uh, Magic the Gathering cards. I was, like, yes, one of those comic book nerds and, like, Magic the Gathering nerds when I was a kid. I'm sure you guys could all picture it. I don't think he makes <laughs> just shut the fuck up. <laughs> I, I don't think that like that is an industry that's going to monetize really well, right? Because like <laughs> this is another thing that's in the community. But Magic the Gathering kids, they are hustlers, man. Like if they're flipping cards, they are freaking hustlers. So these people ain't spending no money, is what I'm trying to say. But a group of young, smart, professional dedicated and ambitious women like they are going to invest in themselves totally the this demographic if you want to be that like finite about it is a group of people who are going to spend money like they're going to love this media and they're going to invest in themselves but then taking the structure like you had mentioned we, we had mentioned this about newsletters before where sometimes i think people get the impression that like, hey, if I can get ten thousand subscribers, then I can just sell ads. But it's really not that simple. You know, and that's why I think there's bad comparisons with the agency space because people think like, oh well, agencies require labor and like that doesn't scale. And I'm like, well everything requires labor. You know, you think because you have a million subscribers on an email list, like that quote unquote leverage is gonna rid you from needing to hire like a team of salespeople, a team of copywriters. It's it's not possible. And so I think this is one of the first times that we've seen an example where people do it the opposite way. Like usually people start with services and then they say, Let me promote my service through a newsletter. These people started with the media, started with the attention, and then, you know, promoted the real um high well, it sounds like they're killing it with their newsletter anyway, but but the agency side of things is just gonna be super, super high cash flow. And so it's 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 what we've talked about a lot, but in reverse. In a super strong demographic with a, a super strong trend, which is TikTok. So, so there, like I said, my brain was racing, man, but I, this like really, really excites me because it gives me a lot of inspiration for, for what I'm doing for myself.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. And I. I- I love that you pointed out that it is effectively the reverse. And I think you're right. This is probably the first time I've seen it too. I mean, yeah. if you think about, um, Hustle started as an events company. So that's like more cash flow yeah. forward. Morning Brew, they pulled, uh, you know, they were doing it in college. I'm not sure if they were monetized at that point, but, uh, when they really decided to make a go at it, they got investment upfront, which I think is a little bit different. Right. So yeah, I think this is one of the first times that I've seen it really be reversed where the what did audience say her name came was? first. Uh, it's either Danielle or Daniela Pearson. Give me one second.
0: Pearson?
1: Yeah. For the people listening who nerd out on this stuff, let me give you a couple other cool tidbits from her story. How'd she grow it? This was something that I thought was pretty cool. Right, let me get her name right first. I don't want to keep calling her Danielle if it's Daniela. Yeah, it's oh, yeah, Daniella it Pearson. Yeah, Daniella. Okay, so I think one of the reasons that she was able to do this in reverse from the typical like path that we talk about a lot is because to me, she seems like somebody who is compelled to tell stories. So if you read about the actual beginnings of the newsette, the very first issue went out to eight people on her email list. And then it has published, I, this is her word, so I haven't checked it, but like every single day since then. I think, I'm not sure if they publish on the weekends or not, but I love this that. was, yeah, it's just like day one sent it to eight people. And then just every single day, she was finding news, curating news, telling stories. And so you have somebody who's like that, who's like really compelled to continue sharing. They're going to grow a massive audience because it's like they can't they can't stop. And that's the biggest thing that you need to do when you're trying to grow an audience of any kind is just like continually put stuff out there. So that was one thing, but I thought it was really cool that she started with eight people. Then she was also really smart about some of the ways that she grew it. So there's two sort of like growth hacks in particular I thought were worth calling out you know, according at least to the interviews that I've heard, they were not using paid growth until like this year. So Uh a lot of their growth is super organic. I mentioned it's 500,000 people on the list. That is comparatively small for the newsletter industry. But here's what they did that is really smart. They've been really focused on cleaning that list and making it as active as possible. So, and this, you know, what's funny is that a lot of companies like who are now considered major names, like, say, I don't know, the Morning Brew or Axios or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you go back in time a year or two, they were making a very similar pitch. They were saying, you know, because their lists were smaller, 1 million people, 1.5 million people, they would say something like, well, we only have like 1.5 million people. But, you know, if you compare that to something like the New York Times, New York Times may have 20 million people, but how many people actually open their email?
0: Yeah. So they
1: would say, you know, our list is smaller, but it's way more engaged. And what's weird is that a lot of that rhetoric has sort of dropped away as they've continued to scale. And I'm not saying they're not so focused on engaging. They definitely are. But it's this thing that it's just going to continue to work. So for like the z they're sitting around 500,000 people um, rather than try and scale to a million, two million, three million uh, to compete in the same ballpark audience wise as Morning Brew. They've just said, look, we're like, yeah, we're 500K. We're going to we're, we're get you the most active 500,000 people who are directly in line with, you know, this thing that we write about, this demographic that we reach. And the result is they punch way above their weight class yeah. and, and they're monetizing way better than uh, Morning Brew ever did as just one comparison. And then like others, I'm sure the hustle too. They're making way more money than we did at that size, at that scale. So it, it, it goes to say a lot about how big your audience really needs to be. It doesn't need to be that big. Uh, at least comparatively speaking. But if it's super active, you have like uh, an unfair advantage. And so they've done a great job of that. But in terms of the growth strategies, one that I thought was really interesting was when she first started, you know what she did? This was like back during her college days. And so she would go on Facebook and look up all her old, it was either college friends or high school friends, something like that. Basically other young women who were like just getting into the workforce she look up all her friends that she hadn't talked to in a while and then like look up all their friends yeah. and then reach out, DM DM all their friends and just be like, hey, I work for this newsletter company called the New Do you want to be an ambassador for it? If you do, you can put it on your resume. And then people would sign up to be an ambassador because they're all looking for job experience, like all these people looking for marketing roles and all that kind of stuff. And then the role of an ambassador was you had to sign 10 other people up. And so... I thought that was brilliant. Basically invented like a resume item out of thin air and yeah. got a whole bunch of people to start growing the newsletter for her. <laughs> and then the other one, which was really smart and is worth calling out here for anybody who's getting into like content, is she started featuring like inspiring women throughout the business world. And the way she like, obviously, those connections were important. Uh, the way she turned it into a growth lever was Whenever they did an interview, they would send all the assets to the person. Nice. I think she said she was targeting people with like 20 or 10, to like somewhere between 10 and 40,000 followers. I have the number somewhere. But, you know, these are like pretty well-known people, that, but small enough that you could still reach them, you know? Send them all the assets, send them all the verbiage for like how to share it, and then it just ups the odds that they're actually going to share it. And the last thing I'll say about that is that that turned out to be an incredibly – valuable (laughs) practice down the line because a lot of those interviewees have now turned into clients or partners. So I'll give you two of them. This is incredible. Diane von Forstenberg, who I think is like fashion. Uh, Apparently, she's very famous. And they ended up launching a newsletter together. So this like famous woman in business wanted to launch a newsletter. She tapped Daniela as the lead editor for it. So that's like one example of uh, how that practice can turn out to be valuable. The other one, Selena freaking Gomez,
0: dude. I okay. I'm looking at it on her Instagram because when you said her name, I had her Instagram, and I'm I'm looking at it I was like, is this Selena Gomez? I think it is, but I'm too embarrassed <laughs> to <laughs> say it without thinking thinking that I'm going to be wrong. You know, um, I have a story about that. So. <laughs> Well, um, I mean, Selena Gomez is is pretty famous, dude. One or two shots from her. I mean, how many followers do you think Selena Gomez has? Like twenty million, fifty million?
1: I have no idea, but I can tell you one person who is
0: not following her, and it's me. Yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, here's
1: <laughs> the, <laughs> talk about being out of. the Oh loop. my this, god!
0: Guess how many followers Selena Gomez has? Uh,
1: I'm well, on Instagram, I'm, by the way. It's gonna have to be more than twenty million, right? How many? Just she
0: take the wildest guess that you can. Uh, 40 million 344
1: what (laughs) dude it sounds like literally everyone in the u.s is following her except for you and me like (laughs) i'm pretty sure that's everybody everybody else knows about (laughs) this so i I know of her but but like it's just she doesn't like land in my sphere of sort of awareness that often and um i love this the, the the sort of funny story about that is that so this woman, Daniela Pearsons, now co-founded a new company with Selena Gomez. And it's called, what is it called? It's called Wondermind.
0: Oh, shit. Get... That's the one that's in Selena Gomez's profile.
1: Yeah, dude, this is crazy. So Wondermind is all about mental fitness, which, it, by the way, is like a huge emerging idea. We wrote about it at Trends a while ago. I'm
0: well aware of it, by the way. this is very, This is very much in my circle as well, for obvious reasons. Ooh, we may have to do like a full episode on it.
1: Right now, though, like this company, Wondermind, it's co-founded by Daniela Pearson, (laughs) Selena Gomez, and uh, one other woman. And it's all about mental, mental fitness, which is different than mental health. And it was recently valued at a hundred million bucks, landed five million dollars in VC money from Serena Williams. Guess what it is? It's a newsletter. (laughs) It's like that has to be the quickest, highest valuation on a newsletter. Of anybody I've seen in the industry. So if you just rack these things up, she's got hundred million valuation, hundred million dollar valuation with Wondermind. Plus, they're doing like say forty million bucks a year, and they've definitely grown from that this year. That was the twenty twenty one figures, right? I mean, just basic back of the napkin math. These businesses this woman runs are worth more than two hundred and fifty million dollars. She's twenty seven years old, and I think it's like the most incredible thing I've seen. But real quick, the like the Sorry about me being, like, totally out of the loop. So, Wondermind was co-founded by, like I said, three people. And if you go to their homepage...
0: I'm on it right now. I wanted to say, I don't know who this woman is, but I was scared. Can you read her name out loud? Can you read her name? Because there's some
1: people listening to this are going to know it immediately.
0: Mandy Teefy? Okay.
1: Now, the reason Tim doesn't know who she is, and the reason (laughs) I didn't know who she is, is because this looks like three women who are all the same age. Mandy Teefey's Selena Gomez's mom.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh. I'm not even. I'm not even making it up. Yeah. yeah. Well, now that you say it, it's like obviously is. It looks well, exactly like her. <laughs> yeah,
1: they they resemble each other quite a bit, but they but like, she looks so like so young. I thought all three of them, to be honest, and I don't mean this as a slant. When I I when I oh first saw it, God. I thought Mandy Teefy was like the person who came up with the idea and somehow roped Daniela Pearson and Selena Gomez in yeah. to. To back it, like I thought it was like, hey, here's these two <clears throat> famous people, right? But you're going to do all the work, Mandy, whoever you are. Nope. Turns out I just have no idea what's going on in pop culture. So Mandy Teefe like well-known. She's got a whole bunch of like film credits to her own name. I think she's a director and stuff like that. But just a <laughs> funny I'm example. I'm obsessed with this, bro. It's pretty cool, right?
0: Yeah. I love how on Wondermind, this is interesting. You can sign up with your email address and you can sign up with your phone number, which is optional. Ooh, that is that is interesting. Yeah, if you go to the homepage of wondermind.com. And I, I actually just signed a contract the other day as a pretty high profile guy in LA who hasn't taken his newsletter very seriously because he says that his what is it, SMS is doing so well for him. And he got me kind of intrigued by it. I was doing a little bit of research. We talked about it before, you know, because SMS can also be like just terribly spammy, even more so than email. But he got me intrigued by it. So I I have like a page on my, my Rome research account of some data for SMS that I've been putting together for it. And so obviously when I see this on the homepage of of WonderMind, it's, uh, it's interesting. And I, and I like how they put optional. You know, that's like what actually stood out to me. Your email and your phone, but your phone's optional. think that's cool this is the best man
1: yeah she's pretty rad hats off to danielle pearson the whole New Zet team they're killing it for sure i want to know about their agency yeah well i think the whole world does like you can't find it anywhere it's yeah but
0: that's really how you know that they're killing it seriously that's how you know because they're probably taking on clients that like other people don't want to know work with an agency you know like pretty high profile people
1: Probably. Well, the other thing is that they've, like, why do you need a website, right? You've got a, like a perfect funnel straight to your agency. Yeah. In fact, I'm not sure that this is, so I've read one interview that says that Newland does have a website somewhere, but I can't find it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't, and I'm pretty good at finding stuff online. So maybe they took it down. Maybe it's in stealth mode. I'm not sure. Maybe they made the decision that like having both websites would somehow cannibalize the yeah, ad business. But, what I have read is that a hundred basically a hundred percent of their clients were advertisers in the newsette, so it's just a perfect like flow straight through,
0: yeah all right, I want to start wrapping this up with a what's the word a a tidbit um you had talked about the consistency thing you said that she started with eight subscribers and has published either personally or I mean probably through her team now, every day since then. I don't know how long you said it's been, but years. It it has to have been years, right? It's kinda related. And I'm I made a YouTube video about it this week because I put a YouTube video on my newsletter each week. And I thought it was interesting because I have been seeing this like lesson in my life over and over and over again in the last month and you you can watch the video i feel like i'm kind of repeating myself but i like i can't figure out if maybe i'm just really aware of it you know how like there's that phenomenon you know where like you see an audi for the first time and then every car that drives down the street is an audi and it's not actually you're just aware of it so i can't tell if it's that or if it's actually that I'm, i'm seeing this lesson over and over again so the lesson is this. I just finished reading, well, I, about a couple weeks ago, I finished it. Arnold Schwarzenegger's autobiography. It's called Total Recall. It was phenomenal. In terms of a biography, it was right up there with Shoe Dog, I think. And I've, I've read a couple, I like biographies, especially just men and women that I find inspiring. I, I, it's a genre that I enjoy. It was, it was really tied, I'd say, for number one biography I've ever read, right up there with Shoe Dog. And Arnold, had this theme basically through every single chapter, and he calls it reps and sets. I was like, everything in my entire life is reps and sets. He's like, that's all it's been. Like, I'm the greatest bodybuilder of all time because I've done reps and sets. I'm the best act, like, not the best actor, but I'm one of the most <laughs> successful actors <Ouch. laughs> ever. Well, I mean, come on, because of reps and sets. With his political aspirations, it, it was the same thing reps, reps and sets, reps and sets. And so I've, I've had this in my head. I'm doing my thing on Twitter. I'm like trying to grow my social media and taking this personal brand thing a little more seriously, as you know. And so this this phrase of repetition keeps popping up in my life over and over again. My Muay Thai trainer said it to me the other day. He's like, "Look, it's it's reps. You know, it's like if you want to learn how to throw good kicks, which is really fucking hard, by the way. He's like, it's just reps. It's repetitions, repetitions." There's another example. I'm reading Ryan Holiday's book, um, The Obstacle is the Way. And he has a chapter in it that he called Do Your Job and Do It Well. And it was like word for word. like No matter what you do in life, it's going to take repetitions. And now, three days later, I'm on a podcast with you. And it's like, yeah, this 27-year-old woman has 500,000 subscribers. is cashing out with Selena Gomez at like <laughs> 100 million a year all because she just wrote a newsletter every day. And, uh, and I'm, I'm like kind of convinced at this point that there is nothing else that you actually need to know, like about anything in regards to being successful. It's just like reps and sets, man, reps and sets. And so that, that's, that's my tidbit. <laughs>
1: I, I like that a lot. And I think about this a lot myself because this is probably the, my biggest hurdle. And here, if, if, if I could be so bold as to add a layer of varnish to the wonderful rocking chair you just laid out. I think about this a lot, man. And the reason is because I struggle with the consistency thing. And yet I've been pretty lucky in my life to like be able to do things, a lot of things that I always wanted to be able to do. So years ago, I wanted to be a writer for a living. I looked up to like a whole bunch of entrepreneurs and now I've had chances to like write full time, meet them, work, work alongside them in some cases and that has not come from consistency that I can point to except maybe like in certain cases, I guess I have a consistent, I've consistent, uh, willingness to show up and work really hard,
0: yeah, but it's not, do. it
1: hasn't been on the same thing every single day. You know, like mm. I, I've done a lot of different things over the course of my career. So if it, if it was consistent with one thing, maybe that's it. And, and I think nobody would be surprised here to, to hear somebody suggest that like hard, yeah, obviously hard work comes into it. But I think it's two things. I think it's, it's definitely consistency and then there's some kind of like luck factor in terms of i'm actually not even sure if it's luck yet but maybe what i'm maybe timing what i'm what i'm finding more and more though is that the lever that makes things easier and easier to lift is who you're connected with and like who you know uh, along the way totally. and i haven't thought about it enough to come up with anything more helpful than that or even to really break it down and, and try to figure out like If I was to try and replicate what, uh, like what got me here, how, how would I do it? I'm not sure because I'm not like a networker either, but I do think that like a lot of the good outcomes that I've had in my life have been because I've been very fortunate to have people kind of like take me under their wing and, and bring me into these different circles and stuff. So there's an element of it that, that is that. But I, what I would say about what you said is you 100% will not get it without the consistency thing. Yeah right? Like you can get pretty lucky in this life. If you know people, you yeah. can get pretty lucky if you're, if you're willing to work hard, but if you're constantly switching from thing to thing, to thing, there, there is a glass ceiling to that, or there's like a, there is a ceiling to that. And it's, I'm not sure I've quite hit the ceiling yet, but I do feel at this point in my career, like I'm the one skill that I'm trying to develop above everything else now is what you're talking about. Yet That ability to just, Shut up and show up every single day and do the yeah. thing, like reps and sets. And one thing that I don't think is talked about enough is actually there. I guess there's two parts of this. How many reps? Right. That part's often hidden from view, not on purpose necessarily, but because, you know, as like an artist or an entrepreneur or whatever, your job is to put out a finished product. So I think most people who are looking at somebody that they look up to have no idea. How much work goes out, actually goes into it, and so it's cool to see people who start sharing some of that data. But like, I think we need way more transparency there because if you go talk to somebody, like uh, a buddy of mine, Alex Garcia, is like a, a like a competitive Olympic lifter. I, I think it's like a, the Olympic lifts, but I don't think it's it has gone to the Olympics. But he's a competitive lifter. Yeah, you know it's, it's, it's
0: Olympic style and Olympic yeah. style.
1: He said this great thing on Twitter the other day where he goes, "I I work out like I think he said like fourteen to sixteen times a week or ten to sixteen times a week." And he goes, uh, I look forward to like three of those. Like There's like three times when I'm really juiced to just get in there and work out.
0: I know exactly what he means. I was just (laughs) saying that to Jules on Tuesday when I had to go to Muay Thai. She's like, but you love going to Muay Thai. I'm like, "Ah, I I do. (laughs) But it sucks. Right. But like as soon as you're done, you can't wait to go back. Right. And I think
1: it's so cool when people are honest about that because cuz as somebody like I'm not a competitive lifter and look from the outside I would I would look at him and I would guess that like that's all he wants to do most days you know mm-hmm. like he has to work but he w- would pr- prefer to lift <laughs> shout out to Alex but yeah. it's cool as an outsider to to hear that so those are the two things I think it was like one how many reps actually goes into it and the second one is like just how much people don't always watch a show, up, but they force themselves to show up anyways. I don't think that's always as clear, but it's been super helpful for me to see as like as an example.
0: me too, yeah, me too. It's been probably the biggest if there was like you know they say the genetic lottery, right? If there's one thing that I just lucked out on, it's that I was born with this like stupid ability to just keep showing up every day out of like pure stubbornness. And I don't know if that was taught to me, or if I just got it, or if it has to do with like the way I am, <laughs> if you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Um. But yeah, like I just.
1: Can I? You just. You just help me refine my own thought on what I just said. So I completely agree with you in terms of the importance of showing up every single day. And what I really want to reiterate is, based on what I've seen, you absolutely will not get what you want if you're not willing to at least try to show up every day and i like i think that's maybe one of the key differences is that if you're satisfied with not showing up every day i think that's like a big inhibitor there's a lot of people who don't show up every day but they they want to and they're trying to but the the big thing that i was i was trying to break in my own head or the thing i was trying to figure out my own head is like well how do how do you how do i say something useful about like the other, what's the other piece of this? And I think the other piece of it is the ability to like just learn from the feedback as you go. So if you have somebody who's got great ideas and knows all the execution, but is never actually putting in the work, they will be uh, outdone by somebody else who shows up every single day and does a little thing. And this is something that you're really good at. You're always texting me and you're like, yo, I just did a thing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) Somebody like you will always outperform somebody like Like me, who is, or somebody who is uh, thinking about stuff and trying to figure out the best path, you just chip away at it.
0: Yeah, so. I think th- this could be a really good closing line because I think I know what you're getting at. It's it's not ten thousand hours; it's ten thousand iterations. Whoa! And I can't take that one. That was in the uh, Naval podcast, the uh, uh, whatever it's called. You know that that famous podcast that that Naval did. And when I heard that, it really clicked. I was like, yeah, because you can do the same thing over and over again for 10,000 hours and not actually advance. But it's like, there's mental and emotional exhaustion that is required to actually try to improve on a thing. I mean, you're a writer. You know what it's like, man. It's it's Mm -hmm. awful. It's like the hardest thing in the world to just look at something and know in your heart, like, this isn't as good as it can be. And like, I can do better. And I don't know. How I just know that it can and like grinding <laughs> through that process, right? So it's mm-hmm. not 10,000 hours, it's 10,000 iterations. Yeah, I'm hyped now, man. <laughs> I feel so good. <laughs> what a great episode. Yeah, this was awesome.
1: Huge shout out to everybody who is listening and saying all those nice things. I also just really want to quickly shout out Mark Wilson, who also said some nice stuff about us, and GJ Sekaira. I might have pronounced that wrong. <laughs> you might have. It's S E C Q U E I R A. I think that's about as close that's as my white boy. Get, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: Let us know though. Uh, G J thank you very much. Mark, thanks very much. It's always a blast to people. So thanks for tuning in and we will see you all next week.